Apple is making a big expansion of Siri, its voice-activated intelligent assistant. Come the fall, our Macs are getting Siri in Sierra. But more importantly, Siri is being opened up to third-party developers. Soon we'll be able to do a bunch of things on our apps by giving Siri a voice command, like ordering a pizza or sending money to a relative overseas. It's an important change in the way we interact with our devices, and will only become more important as time goes on. Apple's in a race with Amazon, Google, and Microsoft to make machines that understand everything we say. This week, I talked to Adam Fingerman and Paula Michels of ArcTouch, an app development company that has worked with big media companies like ABC, NBC, and CBS. ArcTouch has been exploring the Siri API and tells us what we can expect. My name is Leander Caney. I'm the editor and publisher of Cult of Mac, a blog about Apple, and the New York Times best-selling author of some books about technology, most recently a biography of Johnny Ive, Apple's head designer. Caney's Corner is a new weekly podcast. Every week I'll be interviewing a guest about the world of Apple. I've got some great guests lined up, including a bunch of ex-Apple staffers who will talk about their work and working with Steve Jobs. I've also got people like an iPhone case maker who'll spill the beans on the competitive and shadowy world of case making. Being first to market is worth millions of dollars, and these guys do some crazy things to get the specs of Apple's upcoming devices, get the jump on the competition. I'll also talk to app makers and IT guys and recyclers. It's a big Apple world out there, and there's tons of great, fascinating stories to tell. I'm here today with um, uh, Adam Fingerman and uh, Paolo Michaels. Is that how you pronounce it, Paolo? Michels. Michels. Paolo Michels from, from ArcTouch. And ArcTouch uh, is, um, well, can you tell me about ArcTouch, Adam? Yeah, happy to. Uh, so ArcTouch is a mobile app design and development studio. And uh, we started about eight years ago. Paulo and I started it with a, a third person. And, uh, and now we have over 100 people. And uh, we design and develop custom apps for other companies like Audi, Yahoo, CBS. Um, and, uh, you know, we get into the strategy, design, development. And Paulo specifically focuses in on the development side of things. He's our VP of engineering. Okay. You know, when we started, you know, mobile and an iPhone were synonymous with apps and that's no longer the case. Obviously mobile is not just mobile anymore. It's, it's all about these emerging experiences, wearables, home and car, automation, bots, AR, VR, things like that. And that's, right, yeah. that, that, that's what we're into now. In addition to the traditional bread and butter of app work. Yeah, it's a big change, isn't it? Uh, and big changes, more big changes to come. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's it's exciting. I, I think that um, it's 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 really good for everyone. It's it's uh, more exciting for the people who who use the devices and want to try out new things that they couldn't possibly do before. Uh, you know, the phone is like this massive Swiss Army knife, and depending on what blade you pull out, you can really do very different things with it. Right. And um, how big a change is SiriKit and, and voice control? Which, of course, is like part of a bigger picture, too. I mean, a lot of the other companies, Google and Amazon, are getting into voice control. Do you think there's going to be a big switch towards voice? I, I think it's a sort of a, a natural evolution. I think if you look back, there's been sort of these, you know, tidal shifts in, in the, the various types of interfaces that people have gone through to interact with, with devices. Uh, you know, obviously, going way, way back to, the, the, you know, the mouse and the graphical user, user interface, that was a start and then we evolved into touch-based interfaces and I think voice interfaces is that same sort of massive shift and specifically you know Siri like you said is one piece of it and I think it was essential for Apple to you know get on board and 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 open up Siri somewhat like they've done um, but conversational as a whole I, th I think you know we're really bullish on as a 
it's just a, it is a very natural way to interact with these well, different devices when it works. Yeah, when um, it works. Pa- yeah, Paolo. So how, how significantly have the, has Apple opened up um, Siri? Yeah. So uh, as developers, we we've been asking Apple for uh, a long time now to open up Siri, uh, and uh, last year with iOS nine, it was the first time what uh, there was some APIs around Siri and 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 being able to index your content and making context available to Siri. Uh, so externalizing some of these context and some of the content from the apps into Siri, and this year then uh, finally had. Uh, Better integration with the uh, speech recognition and, and language uh, processing where allows have a better integration where now we can finally use Siri to uh, like ask questions and, and give specific uh, orders to Siri and have your apps understand that. So that, that's a very uh, good news for us as developers. Unfortunately, it's not completely open yet. Uh, it's it's kind of limited in terms of what kind of integrations we can build with Siri. Uh, but it's definitely a very good start. It's it's limited. Yeah, how limited is it? Um, it, it you know, it it's a good start. You said right. Right, right. Uh, uh, right now, it's limited to certain types of apps. So what uh, Apple calls domains. So it's limited to apps that deal with audio and video calling, or messaging apps, or payment apps, or fo- uh, apps that integrate your photo library, or uh, workout apps and ride sharing, like Uber app. Uh, and apps that integrate with CarPlay. So it's very limited to, to, to these like uh, overall messaging Skype uh, type of apps or uh, apps to send money. So it, it's not like uh, uh, any kind of app can integrate and, and, and start benefit from, from Siri. You, you have to be within this certain category of apps. I see. So it's not universal but and it's limited to these, you know, to, they seem pretty broad areas though. I mean, you said audio and video recording, messaging, payments... Searching photos, workouts, uh, ride booking. Ph- photos, workout, ride sharing, or uh, like Uber app, and apps that integrate the CarPlay for climate and radio control, for example. Climate, does that mean you control the, the, uh, the AC? The, of the the AC? Yeah. Okay, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I think that the, the, the use cases that Apple has recommended for this are set not because of a technology limitation, but because they were the use cases that probably made sense to provide the best experience. Uh-huh, right. But experience, right. And of course, this is what Apple is famous for, right? You know, uh, uh, you know there was a lot of criticism about Siri, especially when Amazon uh, came out with Alexa, that, you know, Apple was limiting it to, to, to its, own, its own apps. But of course, I think, you know, they did that quite consciously, right, to make sure that it's a good experience. Exactly. Yeah, Apple, Apple always like prioritized right. user experience. Uh, uh, the priority is not opening up APIs to developers, even though that's what we want. Apple... Uh, I always think in terms of like a user experience first. And right. those are the use cases where uh, it makes a lot of sense to have integrated integration with Siri, but at the same time, uh, it shows that Apple is trying probably to uh, take step-by-step step here and, and, and first see how these integrations will work in the future, possibly open even more uh, scenarios. Right. Well, th- I think that's a big problem with Siri is that it's, it's kind of unreliable. A lot of people, I think, have that experience where they try to get it to do something and it works maybe once and twice, but then the third or fourth time it doesn't work and they lose patience or it's slow and they give it up. Do, how do you find, you know, do, is it ready for prime time? Is it ready for third-party apps? It, it is. Uh, uh, so uh, within these domains, these uh, types of apps that can benefit from Siri integration, uh, we, we've done some tests and, and it works pretty well. Uh, it's amazing the work how Siri can help apps to really 
drive this conversation uh, with the app. So by being an Apple develop, app developer, you, you determine what kind of information you need from Siri and Siri drives that conversation and making sure you have all that information you need to, to complete a transaction or, or start, start a workout, for example. Uh, so it, it's pretty well done. Do you, uh, you know, is there one particular area that you think it's going to be, you know, it's going to take off? Are we going to see like a bunch of apps in, in a particular, one of these particular categories? I, I personally think uh, uh, Uber style apps or uh, money transfer apps like uh, that, that you can see Apple giving a lot of examples of these kind of apps where today Uber, for example, you, you have to launch the app, search for uh, a car and do many taps to just uh, request a, a car. And being able to do that with uh, Siri, I think, uh, will, will be great, will be very beneficial to users. Right, where you just say, hey, you know, call me a car, and it'll just do it. Yep. Uh, I don't know about sending money, though. <laughs> You'd want to double check, right, that they got the right... The, the, well, the, the, the... But, but that's a good point where uh, Apple always puts uh, security first. So when you say you can send money or you can send messages, uh, it's still very secure in terms like you can... Money transfer is one example where you cannot just uh, ask Siri to, to transfer money. You still have to use uh, uh, authenticating the, the phone or, or unlock your phone for that kind of transaction. So it's the kind of same security that you would have using Apple Pay, for example. Okay, right. Yeah, and I'm sure it it, it, it double checks. Uh, you know, are you sure you want to send four thousand dollars to uh, to exactly uh, to your all own? the transactions that I do through Siri it has a confirmation phase where you have to confirm all the information. So um, audio and video, recall, uh, call, sending calls like that, you can say, uh, I want to do a, a call in Skype or I want to do a call in uh, WeChat and you tell the person you want to call up. Have you, have you guys tested that kind of functionality? Uh, I haven't personally tested it yet, uh, uh, but uh, and as apps, I mean, we, we test with uh, built-in Apple uh, native apps but uh, now it's up to developers to really integrate uh, with third-party apps like Skype or WhatsApp or these kind of apps that developers have to build that integration now that iOS 10 beta is available. Right, okay, okay, great. And we'll probably see a bunch of apps, uh, or several apps that use this functionality in the fall when it's released officially. I'm sure they will, yeah. Which one, what, what are you most excited about personally? Is there any particular part of Siri kit that, uh, that you think has a you know, big, big potential? I, I, I'm very excited just with the idea of uh, uh, opening up Siri itself. Uh, like I said before, developers uh, have been asking for Siri APIs for a long time. So even though it's not totally open at the moment, that any, any app can take advantage of that, just that Apple really is going that direction, I think is very exciting. Do you think people will change their habits of how they use their phone? Because, you know, they've become so used to using apps. Is, isn't Siri a, a, a sort of... Asking people to change their habits uh, quite a lot. Uh, Adam, I don't know if you want to uh, chime in here as well, but uh, yeah, yeah, I can when you're done. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, Siri needs really these kind of uh, integrations to uh, so it it becomes. Uh, I don't know. I don't have the numbers how popular Siri is today, uh, but I imagine it become a lot more uh, uh, popular now that you have this kind of integrations. Uh, at the beginning, Siri, I think it was kind of somewhat limited in terms of what it could do. And then many users would not end up not using it. 
but as you have these integrations with the app that you, with the apps that you use every day, uh, I think it, it will become a lot more popular. Yeah, I think that um, you know Siri and and just in general the idea of conversational interfaces are going to solve sort of a big problem facing the the app industry, and that's you know app discovery. Uh, you know, there's so many apps that are out there, and opening them up to other entry points, such as voice or, or chatting as an onboarding vehicle, makes it easier to find interesting apps, reduces sort of the barrier to get a taste of what that app is, is like, and fosters engagement and repeat usage, which is something that every app developer wants. So, And I'm not just talking about the, the Siri piece. I'm talking about bots. I'm talking about you know Google Instant Apps. All of those sort of give you an app-like experience as a, you know, as an hors d'oeuvre of an app before you then move on to the more, you know, the richer experience. Right. And, you know, uh, there was a recent study, wasn't it, that people only use, what, four or seven apps on their phone and most people abandon an app after downloading it. It's very difficult to get them to use it. So you think voice will, will, will try it, will make actually it easier to discover and to use more services? Yes, yeah, you know, some of them are for are better for discovery. Some of them are better for reengagement. P- particularly, voice, I'd say, is one of these better ones for reengagement because it's just a natural. It's just very natural to dictate a request, and then have it respond immediately, or sort of hand you off to the richer experience of an app. Once you have the same problem though uh, that you have with with apps now, when you say "call me a car," won't it default to you know whatever you, whatever uh, service you've, you've signed up for? Or yeah, is so there a different it, scenario. I'd say in that case, it's more of the re-engagement. Uh, but you know, even then, I think that um, you know that's half the battle for an app developer to to get re-engagement of an app. So if if, right. if, if the voice makes that easier, I think that's good. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But so what about discovery? How would discovery work then? How would it make it easier to discover more services? Well, for the voice piece of Siri, that, that maybe not so much in, in that area. Um, but I, you know, like I said, we sort of cast a wide net for things like uh, bots. If they are sort of your initial experience with a, a product or a service and then they sort of hand you off. Like, uh, you know, you can imagine some basic transaction being done where you're looking for uh, flight information, and that could be probably handled very nicely through a bot because it's very question-answer, transactional-based. But you're not going to use a bot to pick your seat. You're going to want to go into the richer experience of an app to do something like that. I, I, I think that that's pretty interesting. I think, again, the Google Instant Apps, where in the search results, you have sort of an app-like experience, and then you if you want to go deeper and do something more involved, you then go and install the app. I think that helps with discovery and reduces the barriers for trial. And so is it going to be like an alternative app? Will, will, will um, developers have the same problem they have with the App Store now, which is that sort of, uh, you know, will, will it just sort of replace those kind of problems? It's possible. It's a little too early to tell. I mean, there are, you know, with uh, Apple Messages, there's uh, going to be a, a, an App Store specifically oriented for messaging type apps, so an app store within an app store. It is possible that you'll have the same sort of discovery and trial issues, although Apple, again, looks to see, they seem like they want to remedy that through uh, things like offering uh, paid placement and, and advertising so that 
you know, can get trial that way, awareness and trial that way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it doesn't make it so quite, you know, like a heap of stuff you never, you never knew was there. As we look at Siri, uh, ecosystem, not just specific to speech recognition and voice commands. Also, since even not just new to iOS 10, but prior to that on iOS 9 last year, Siri has other APIs that allow you to uh, uh, index the content of your app and, and have your app suggested to users, even if the app is not installed. So for example, if you're looking for a restaurant nearby, uh, it could suggest, uh, if you don't have Yelp installed, it could suggest Yelp to be installed. So uh, Siri helps with the app discoverability uh, uh, in that context where you can make the content and, and functionality of your app available to users and, and Apple helps uh, users then discover that uh, through Siri and Spotlight. Uh, that sounds interesting. So you said it could or it does. I mean, mm-hmm. so if you say, hey, Siri, book me a table at, at, at a restaurant, how would that work then? It would say. So what what it's possible today is uh, if, for example, helping with app discoverability is if you search for some kind of food or restaurant in in Spotlight. Not not talking about Siri speech recognition here. Just really going to Spotlight in the app and and searching for something. App already suggests uh, certain apps, either apps that you already have installed and and have some kind of association with that kind of content or even apps that you don't have installed yet. And, and then you can quickly install and, and take you to that specific piece of content within the app. Okay, cool, great. And uh, you know, in your experience, does it work well? Or it's it does, days, it yeah. does. Uh, a lot of apps are taking advantage of that. Uh, like Yelp, I just mentioned, is, is one of them, uh, where today it, it, it keeps these uh, updated database of uh, locations nearby. Even you can try, even if you don't have Yelp, Yelp installed, you, you search for a restaurant, it would take you and suggest you to download Yelp. Okay, great, cool. And um, how do you think, how does Siri stack up against the competition against like Alexa and, and Google? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I know you, you said earlier that, you know, sometimes it's unreliable. I think uh, by narrowing the use cases, you're sort of increasing your likelihood of having a predictable result. That's sort of the annoying factor, I think, with a lot of these conversational interface is that when you ask something and it really is gone sideways and it doesn't know how to handle it, you get unpredictable results and that's sort of the worst user experience. So I'd say that narrowing the, f- the features is a good step for Apple. I think, uh, you know, the probably the most visible conversational interface uh, tool is Amazon Echo, you know, Alexa. I think, right. I think uh, they've done a, a, a a pretty good job there of, again, they, they, Amazon themselves introduced a narrow set of features that they supported, but they opened it very quickly to third-party developer support to extend the skills. That's what they call them uh, within uh, Alexa. And, you know, Amazon has publicly stated they've got like over a thousand people committed to improving the uh, conversational skills on their own uh, of Alexa. So I, 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 I would say uh, Amazon is in the lead there, but between Apple, Google, Amazon, I'm sure even Facebook will get into the conversational business more hardcore than they've been with Facebook Messenger. The the capabilities are going to improve very rapidly. Right. Well, you know, I only have experience with Amazon Alexa and with 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 Siri, and I, and, and Alexa is mu- it is much nicer to use. It's much more reliable and it's much faster. Do you know? 
is there any technical reason why that why it works so better? Is it because they've limited it to you know a, a much more limited use case? Um, I don't know, Paulo. What do you think about that? Uh, I I think it's a matter of implementation. I I I wouldn't say Siri is uh, not as well as uh, implemented as as Alexa, but uh, it is a matter of uh, it, it, overall for all these. Uh, Amazon, Google, Apple. This is new, pretty much new for all of them. The this area of uh, language processing, speech recognition, it's uh, it's evolved a lot in the last five years. Uh, so it, it it's new to everyone, and 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 there's a lot to improve there still. But uh, I know from my experience, I think uh, I, I had similar experience. I, I know. Uh, I think it depends on what you're trying to, how how you're interacting with each one of the services. But uh, I, I find we also build some integrations with Alexa. So we had some experience of how the APIs with Alexa work as well. And from a developer perspective, I can say that uh, as uh, we were discussing, Siri is a lot more limited, but uh, I think at the end it provides a, a better experience. It's a more a truly converse, a conversational uh, uh approach where it's not like just giving uh asking for something it really helps with that conversation but if you don't have uh, if you have a certain piece of information missing or you can understand a certain piece of the information it it, it asks for that specifically so it, it can create the whole context of what you're trying to achieve or what is your intent there well, is it? Uh, you know, I know Alexa has how many? It has several microphones. It doesn't have like five um, microphones built into the hardware, and and I know that it's kind of uncanny. It can be playing music quite loud, and you can be in an, in another room and say, "Hey Alexa," and, and it'll and it'll hear you. So, uh, you know, on on the one hand, it's almost as though the the hardware is better. Yeah, uh, it, certainly, it was a piece of hardware that was built specifically for for this purpose. Even though uh, iPhones hardware is uh, pre advanced uh it, it it's not it was not built specifically for this one reason right so right uh, yeah so i'd say that was but there's also this you know it's almost kind of uncanny fast sometimes it'll you know it, it siri you get this impression that it it's sending what you say up into the cloud and it's processing it and then it comes back down again and there's this you know sort of maddling delay yeah whereas with alexa it's almost instantaneous Right, and a part of that may be the also the nature of being a mobile device, right? You depending on your connection and all that. So Alexa is at home with the best connection you can get, or mobile. If you walk down the street, uh, it may not be as good. And then there is this dependency with the cloud that uh, may delay things. Yeah, yeah. Well, the funny thing is, you know, with Alexa, it's the first time you get this impression that oh, this really could be. A great way to interact with a computer or with a device. Actually, I get it with the Apple TV with this with the Siri remote. You know, trying to control the Apple TV is um, a lot better and a lot more reliable than it is using Siri on a, on an iPhone. Right. This episode of Kane's Corner is supported by TunnelBear, an award-winning service that gives you fast and private access to the internet. TunnelBear is a virtual private network or VPN that guards your privacy and security while online. A VPN is a must-have for any public internet usage. If you log on at a coffee shop or the airport, it's crazy to do it without a VPN. TunnelBear works on all your devices, computers, tablets, and phones. It's by far the easiest to use and best designed VPN I've encountered. It's so easy to use, my mom, who's in her mid-70s, routinely uses it to watch TV in the UK. She lives here in San Francisco, and she uses it to get a UK IP address, which allows her to watch UK TV shows that are blocked over here. 
It's not just the UK. You can browse like you're in the United States or Germany, Japan, India, or dozens of other countries. It's dead, dead easy to use and super secure. Nothing is logged. It's all super private. TunnelBear has been used by more than 10 million people. I've been a paying subscriber for a couple of years and my mom and brother too. Go to gettunnelbear.com, that's gettunnelbear.com, and create a free trial account. If you use that URL, TunnelBear will know that we sent you. Again, it's gettunnelbear.com. So thanks to TunnelBear for supporting this episode of Kane's Corner. It's, um, how bullish are you guys about voice control? Very bullish? Little bullish? Oh, I'm, I'm super bullish. <laughs> I, am, I, have an, business, I have an right? S and a B on my, on my shirt right now because I'm so super bullish. <laughs> Does that mean Siri bullish? Siri bull? <laughs> yep. That's awesome. But uh, it's, um, you know, do you think it's going to replace, uh, uh, you know, multi uh, touch the way that multi touch replaced the, you know, or, or it's supplanting the, uh, the, the keyboard and mouse? Uh, I think it's a, it's a superset. Uh, maybe that's not the right way to describe it. I, I don't think it's going to replace it entirely. I think it has, uh, it has its, its uses. And, uh, you know, I've, I end up using voice related things a lot. I, I mean, at this point it's mostly for dictation when I'm using my phone, I, I find it super convenient. Mm-hmm. I think that for discrete transactional type of interactions and engagement, it makes the most sense when you want a very, you have a, a quick request and you expect a discrete bit of information as the response. Voice is a great way to do it mm-hmm. um, without having to sort of. So if you're looking for something specific, what's the time? What are the score of this, the, this or that? Exactly. You know, what's game? the status of my flight? Um, right. Is there traffic uh, on 101? You know, that type of stuff. I think it's ideal for that. Um, and again, sort of as a jumping off point to something richer and more involved, I think, uh, you know, as a pathway to apps, I think that makes a lot of sense. So I, I think there's really interesting stuff ahead of us for it. And what about the, the, all the contextual, uh, you know, cross app into uh, talk, you know, is it, is it better for, 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 for doing that, for doing things that involve several apps and several services? Uh, I'm not sure I understand, you know, the question, well, could you give me an example? Apps are very siloed, aren't they? You know, yes. you have to you have one app for this and one app for that. Is, there a, is it going to be possible in the future that, you know, you'd, this, the, the assistant would talk to several apps at once or do this sort of have this kind of cross-app functionality? Yeah, I think that's, that's very likely. I, I mean, Apple is very careful. You know, they've always been sort of a, a, a real supporter of uh, privacy and app information and app data is sort of siloed from each other. Uh, the, the security model is very uh, restrictive intentionally to protect the rights and the, and the privacy of the user. But it, I think that uh, I could see a future where with the appropriate permissions granted, your Siri agent could act on your behalf across apps and across products. I, I think that's going to come probably sooner on things like uh, you know Google. Google's... Uh, Google Allo, the new chat platform they're coming out with. The idea there is that the Google uh, agent uh, is is always listening and looking for appropriate snippets of conversation that it could act on on, on your behalf. And I think that's that's interesting. Again, it, if, assuming that you're you know it's it is respecting your privacy. I think that's I that's that's much more helpful and way more of the vision of the future where. You know, I am having a conversation with somebody, and somebody says, "Yeah, let's get together. How about we meet for a drink at so and so place?" And it it sort of the agent is 
is able to recommend the best possible place at the best possible time that's between our two locations. I think that's super helpful stuff. Right. But uh, as you mentioned, privacy obviously is a huge, is a huge issue here. Yes. Um, and uh, Apple made it, you know, talked a bit about that, although the details, they weren't, you know, it, there were, I think, a lot of questions um, unanswered, but differential privacy. Um, and of course, you know, for an agent to be useful, it's got to know quite a lot about you. Um, yeah, do you think- it does. But I mean, if you think about it, Google knows quite a lot about you already through your, if you use uh, Gmail and you use Google Calendar and you're browsing information. So it, it's information they already have. And if it's used positively in a non-creepy fashion and you're aware of how they're using it, I um, I think it's inevitable. I think there's a, a, a lot of good that could come out of it and obviously some bad, but that information is already there. I just think it has to be used in, the, in a way that offers utility to people as well as some delight. You know, if, if, if the agent can save time for me and, you know, put a little smile on my face or free up some, something for me to do something more enjoyable. I'm happy for that. I, I'm, I'm willing to, you know, trade off and accept that Google has information about my calendar and stuff if, if I'm getting that benefit. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I hear you and I, I totally agree. I mean, I, I very much feel like that, except for that, you know, uh, I think in most cases, most of what you do, most of the information it has is innocuous. But then there's going to be that one occasion when it learns something about you that you don't want it to know, or it divulges something about you. You know, you've been somewhere, or you've been meeting somebody, or there could be a million and one different scenarios. I think it's difficult to you know to predict, isn't it? You think it, it, it seems benign until it isn't. Uh, yeah, that that's true. Yeah, and of course Apple and, and uh, is taking a very different approach to Facebook and Google. You know, they, Tim Cook has said many times that um, you are the product. Um, for companies like Facebook and Google, you know, they, they, they're in the business of mining your data uh, and Apple's in the business of selling your device and they, 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 they don't want to know anything about you. Do you think that, um, you know, which world would you rather live in, the, 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 the Google one or the Apple one? Um, I would probably prefer to live in the Apple world where uh, there is functionality progressively added that, and I, you know, my comfort level with it grows in time as opposed to the all-in world where uh, it's sort of Google knows everything and I just sort of have to just, you know, stumble upon the case where maybe I didn't want them to know that. That's, right. that's my personal preference. Me too. But I, I don't, you know, I don't get the impression that, you know, Google doesn't face any backlash whatsoever. And most of its customers don't seem to be, seem to be kind of blithely, you know, quite happy with, with the way it's doing business. Yeah, I just I think that that's probably a result of they just haven't had a lot of you know highly publicized uh, privacy related snafus like let's say Facebook has had. Um, you know, when Facebook makes a mistake in the way they handle privacy settings or things like that, it's very publicly scrutinized, and then there's a, a, you know eventually sort of a redo of the privacy settings in your Facebook application, Facebook website. And then it goes away until the next sort of snafu. And I, I yeah. don't think I don't think you've had that with Google. They haven't really had that that much success with their social networks uh, at the same scale as 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 Facebook has had. So it could just be um, without success. There, there's less scrutiny. But if you think about it, they do have Gmail, which really has theoretically access to just about everything that you right. have. Yeah, I, no one has ever complete. You know, I, I don't. I don't think I can't remember anyone really. There's, there hasn't been a situation where it's really blown up. No, um, except uh, 
Um, yeah, right. And maybe so, maybe you could take that as comfort. There, there hasn't been a situation where it's blown up because they are respectful of the delicate position they're in, and they're not abusing it. So maybe there's you know that's the positive and the, the comfort factor there. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, who, uh, was it Petraeus though? Was it, didn't he, didn't his um, extramarital affair come out because of um, how did how did that get revo- uh, revealed? I can't remember now. My my memory is so hazy. But that that had something to do with Gmail, didn't it? Didn't someone hack in and they found? Uh, um, or it was disclosed. It was dis- didn't he have to disclose it in an investigation? Maybe, but, but yeah, but that's uh, yeah, that's different. I mean, any you know, ha- a disclosure or hacking into a mail client could happen to really anybody. I think what we're talking about is. Google mining your mail in a way that's, you know, not something that you'd prefer. Right. Um, and it's sort of being mined even today. I mean, there there are advertisements that appear uh, when you're using Gmail, and I my guess is probably they're related to the content of your email. Yeah, right. I think it very definitely is, isn't it? If they're looking at to see if you're talking about certain products or services or activities, places to go. Yeah. Um, so apparently, uh, you, Adam, could you talk about your experience of building um, a Prusa concept using SiriKit? Yeah, I think uh, uh, Paulo's looked at that with his team, um, and uh, you know, using the tools that Apple provides, uh, you know, through the developer channels, what their experience has been with that. Yeah, yeah, and I can comment on that. So it's uh, it's actually pretty amazing how. Uh, Apple's approach, the way they allow you to use, uh, so there's all this uh, technology, all, all this uh, complexity behind uh, its speech recognition, uh, language processing, and uh, uh, determining the intent of the what you, the, the user is uh, saying. All that is abstracted from developers. So really at the end, what uh, app developers have to do is uh, take a certain command uh, process a certain intent that was already built uh, by Siri. So when you say, for example, uh, uh, order a call uh, Uber, for example, uh, to pick me up where I am now, that that to app developers is translated as just a simple command where all the all the pieces of information that you need, like where you are. What is the uh, maybe how many people you are, how big uh, the car you need, uh, and all that is already translated into small keywords to you. So, as app developers, most of the work still just uh, the business logic that you already do is just a pretty much a different channel. Instead of getting button taps or or, uh, clicks, you are just receiving a command that it can easily translate to uh, a business uh, a business process that you have in the app. So did you guys build a, a proof of concept app using SiriKit already? We, we did, yeah. And uh, what, what did it do? What kind of app was it? So uh, we built a, a, a exercise a workout app uh, where we okay. could experiment with uh, uh, receiving these commands from, from Siri, like saying start a workout or stop a workout or pause. And... Then there is the aspect of uh, just being able to handle those requests. And also there's some aspect of teaching Siri some of the keywords uh, in your app. So in the example that we built, uh, we build a, uh, we provide a vocabulary that are a specific list of exercises that you could do through that app. So Siri would know 
when you're talking about, uh, uh, let's say, go for a run, uh, Siri would know what run means in the context of your app. I'm sorry, can you explain exactly what, what, what that involved? What, what exactly did you do? Okay, so Siri, uh, again, going back to the, the domains that uh, Siri supports, within that context, uh, uh, each each of the one of those domains, each one of those contexts, it, it has a certain vocabulary that Siri already knows how to speak. So, so if sending money, it knows to talk about uh, how sending X amount of dollars, uh, or if you're talking about a workout app, it knows about starting, stopping exercises. But beyond that, you have to tell Siri, for example, if, you, if the user uh, refers to a specific exercise. Uh, that is very specific to the context, context of your app, then you have to provide a list of keywords that Siri would know how to, to translate that into uh, something that the user is trying to, to do. Okay, so, so just to be clear, so, uh, so already it has a vocabulary of words that are associated with certain things, like workouts or sending money or, or sending a message. Right. And, app, and those are already defined, so it already, it, it's already, um, it knows that these words, to look out for these words. It, 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 knows, it knows the words and know what pieces of information you need. So, for example, if you're sending money, you need to know the amount. If you're sending a message, you need to, to know who you're sending to and the actual message. If you're, if you're uh, with a workout app, then you need to know, it knows about starting and stopping exercise. So that, that's the vocabulary that Siri already knows and knows how to translate that to specific intents within the app. And then you have to go in and have to give it an, a, a further list of, of other of other words that it might it need to know about for, exactly. for that specific app. Exactly. And so, how many how many words did you have to tell about for the for the workout app? So the the workout app was a proof of concept. So we didn't provide the full list of exercises that, but depending on the app that you 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 have and the type of exercises that users can track inside of our app, you would you would then have to provide that that list of uh, all the keywords, type of exercises that you have. So it really depends on the type of app. It may be uh, an app that's specific to uh, workout. It could be uh, an app that's specific to bike riders. So that, depending on the context, you have to provide a, a different list of keywords. And, uh, Do you have, is there a ballpark number? I mean, you know, is it in, in likely in, the, in dozens of words? Well, I think it really depends on the type of app that you're building. It depends on how, how broad is the your app. So. It could be thousands of words, if uh, depending on how broad is your app functionality. I was going to say, yeah, I can imagine, you know, given all the different um, alternative ways of saying things. Yeah, that it and could you be, also it could have to provide Siri not just the keywords, but also examples of how you would use that uh, keyword. So, for example, we have to provide a simple phrase of how users would request certain certain action. Yeah, if we were going to build this out fully, we you know, probably spend several days coming up with a like a conversational matrix that handles all of the possible requests and all of the possible actions. And because we don't, again, the last thing we want, like you had mentioned earlier in the conversation, is to have sort of unpredictable results where you something is asked and you just get a huh from Siri as the response. Right. Well, you tend to, at the moment, especially with Alexa, like you have to sort of, you're conscious that you're speaking to a computer and so you put it into computerese. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think that is, that's good and bad. If, if you can, you know, I, I don't know if you remember there a, a while back there were sort of these choose your own adventure books or, uh, you know, text-based adventure games where you had a very discreet syntax to follow, like the, 
you know, the the verb noun sort of thing, like open door, uh, unlock treasure chest, things things like that. And once you understood that syntax, you really knew how to correspond with the, you know, and play the game. And right. with Alexa, it's the same sort of thing that I think by having a very discreet way of talking, uh, once you understand it, you know it, it's very efficient as a way to interface with Alexa, but the downside is it's not the way people speak. They want to be able to have conversations, and that's really the goal, to have sort of natural language conversations that could then be interpreted and parsed and understood every possible way and never have Alexa or Siri come back and say the, huh, I don't understand. Right. So so, so, make, so what, what, what exactly did you call it? Like a, a conversational matrix? Uh, well, we we call it a conversation flow because it's you know any 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 question or query can lead to a variety of responses and other questions, and we um, we define those out. Uh, we we define it very narrowly for this proof of concept, but we we would try to define them exhaustively uh, if we were going to truly build this out. And it's a flow, so it it would it, you would you would anticipate that the you know the response and then the next question or the next response. Yes. So how you know that sounds complex, or potentially very complex. Well, it's not complex. Uh, I'd say it it requires forethought and an understanding of you know what is the 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 use cases you hope to achieve. It's not unlike what we would do really for any application we were building even without sort of Siri or conversational input, you know, we would really want to understand what is the various task flows and how to account for, uh, you know, primary flows as well as edge cases. It, it is the basis of user experience design that we do. Okay. So n not particularly, you know, so you don't think it's any more particularly complex than the kind of work that you already do now for a multi-touch app? Um, I think it's different. I wouldn't necessarily say it's more complex, but it's something that's really essential to have a predictable experience. And how does it handle things like, um, you know, well, slang? And what about swearing? Well, uh, it's a good question. I don't know if Siri as a whole will default and, and try to capture swear words. Um, well, no, does it ignore them? You know, <laughs> if you start. Um, it, I think right now it, it has some pretty colorful responses when you use swear words um, going forward. I'm not sure if there's a way to override that. Uh, what I mean is, you know, can it pass those? Can it? Can it? Can it? Can it you know, if you start, if you, you know, if you start using colorful language when you when you're trying to get get it to do something, it passes those out. You know, what I mean, it, can, it ignores them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Paul, on, what's your experience with swear words yeah, and slang or no, anything and, like and that? That's what the. That's why when we say that building integration with Siri is no, is not more complex than the other apps that we've built so far because of this, uh, all these APIs, all, the, all this platform that was, was built with, with Siri and, and similar with other platforms. But what it does is it, it does the, all the complex processing of speech and language and, and really only extracts the information that you need. So uh, regardless of like, you can ask for the, same, for the same thing in so many different ways, but Siri is able to extract what really matters there and All right, that's what I was asking. And how does it do a pretty good job of that? It does. It does. It does a pretty good job. Because I know that some of the, the call centers, you know, when you call up a call center and you get a robot, if you start swearing and if you get agitated, it detects that. It detects your tone of your voice. It infers, you know, your state of mind and will put you into an operator quicker if you seem to be really upset. 
Uh, so it doesn't provide that level of detail, like uh, sentiment analysis on the on the on the message. Uh, there is another thing that Apple opened up with iOS 10 that not as much people are talking about, but they also open up the, their speech recognition uh, platform. So with that, you can do that kind of thing, the, the sentiment analysis and, and more. You have, then you have access to the full uh, transcript of the, what the user said. Uh, but then you don't have the next level what Siri provides, which is language processing and, and extracting meaning. Uh, uh, reasoning on, on what the user said. I'm sorry, you do or you don't have those? You, d- you, you don't with the, this other uh, uh, API called uh, Speech Recognition API. Okay, so um, it's, um, do you think that would be likely to come at some point in the future? I think it, I think it is. I think it's coming. Uh, Apple, Apple's approach of opening... Apple historically had open frameworks and, and APIs in a Baby steps. So uh, first, they want to know how developers use that, and then they they evolve those APIs. So they started with speech recognition, and but I am sure in the future they will come up with uh, more advanced scenarios where then you can really have access to this full framework of language processing and and uh, reasoning and and uh, knowledge processing. How advanced is Siri with with um, you know is its AI so that it really is conversational because i remember reading about um other versions of siri um that um that are even more advanced that 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 are much much more conversational but uh, you know that are in development by the the team that originally developed siri right. i think they're turning to viv now but uh th- there was a talk that the, the next version was was much much smarter in 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 the conversational kind of stuff that it can do yeah i i heard of that as well and i have seen some some examples and and it's pretty amazing what uh uh, the examples they give, uh, and that's what I mean by yes, uh, by what I referred to before, which is this te- whole technology is still uh, in the early days. I think uh, it has evolved a lot in the last few years. But if you look at what people are doing and what will be probably available in the next few years, is is great. Uh, and Siri, I don't, I don't think uh, they are we already taking advantage of all those. Uh, uh, like like you said, the examples they gave and and, and Viv and all that, but uh, I think you'll get there. And uh, what what are the you know the, the, it's extremely complex, isn't it? Because it's doing some very very complex um, signal processing and language recognition, and then there's all the AI behind right. it. There are multiple levels, yeah. Yeah. So uh, that, that's why if you were developers to build that whole uh, stack of technologies. Uh, that is a lot of work, and, and there's a lot right. of uh, research in that area. But what these platforms, with bot platforms, Siri, Google Now, uh, Cortana from Microsoft and Alexa, they, what they do is pro- do most of the hard work for you. So at the end, as developers, for app developers, you, you can take advantage of that. You only do what uh, matters most to the context in your, your app. You don't have to... Uh, worry about uh, knowing exactly how speech recognition works or how you do language processing. All that is done for you. Of course, you don't then have as much flexibility, but you can then focus on what matters most to you in, in, in your app. Yes, right. And, 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 and do you think developers will be able to build quite sophisticated apps using these frameworks? Uh, right, right now, I think there's a lot of limitations, uh, like uh, limitations we we mentioned on, on Siri and other platforms also have similar limitations. 
but uh, I, I think uh, again, I think it's just early early days, and the the future and the possibilities of the future are, are, are great. And just curious, uh, from a technical point point of view, does Siri do most of its processing locally on on your device, or does it do a lot of processing so, most of the processing in the cloud? Siri, it does a combination of both. Uh, historically, it used to do that mostly on the cloud. Uh, newer devices and newer versions of iOS, they're moving that more into local processing. So. Uh, at the moment, it's a combination of both, and it, it really depends on the device and OS version that we're running. Are they doing it? Uh, do they have any specialist hardware in the newest devices to help with Siri? Uh, Special chips? Or? Uh, I don't know about the specifics of the hardware, but I, I'm, I'm sure they do. I, I definitely, I think uh, it, it's the kind of uh, very process intensive uh, to do that kind of thing. So, uh, leveraging. Uh, specific hardware chips for, for that is uh, probably what Apple is doing. Okay, great. Okay, um, well, uh, uh, do you guys um, have anything else you wanted to talk about specifically? Well, no, I, I think that, um, you know, we're really bullish on this area. We think it's going to, like I said, transform how uh, people interact and discover, uh, you know, sort of hors d'oeuvre-like experiences as well as lead to you know, engagement and adoption of the richer type experiences. And it just is a very natural progression for certain types of interaction. So um, assuming we can uh, handle the reliability and the privacy aspects, it's something that's going to be, you know, years from now we're going to look back and see how it's very much the norm of how people interact with these devices and things. Yeah, um, uh, someone had a GIF on the uh, the other day uh, from um, Star Trek uh, when um, Scotty picks up the mouse on the on the Macintosh and starts talking into it like it's a microphone. Uh, yes, <laughs> that, yeah, that was a great joke from that movie. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's exciting times. I think uh, it, uh, it, it 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 you know there could be really profoundly change um, all the devices in your house. It doesn't make any sense when when you know especially with the Internet of things and when you when your locks and your lights and and uh, are all smart, and your heating systems, you know, are all sort of inter a lot smarter about their environment. It doesn't make any sense to go into an app or anything like that. You would just want to shout out something, don't you? Exactly. Awesome. Great. Okay. Well, guys, I really appreciate the time, and uh, thanks a lot for uh, for taking the time to to talk to me today. Yeah. Thank you very much. That's all we have time for this week. I'd like to thank Adam Fingerman and Paula Michels of ArcTouch. You can find out more info about ArcTouch at ArcTouch.com. That was Kane's Corner, a new weekly podcast about the world of Apple. New episodes come out every week. Please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. And if you like the show, please leave a review or a rating. They help a lot. And please check out CultOfMac.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook. On Twitter, we're at CultOfMac. And on Facebook, it's Facebook.com forward slash CultOfMac. See you next week.